One, two, three, testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, a married couple files a lawsuit against Tim Ballard. Now, there are two lawsuits that have been filed so far. The first involved five women who are making claims against Tim Ballard. I covered that lawsuit in a prior episode. More recently, a second lawsuit has been filed against Tim Ballard. And this one is different in that there is a woman, but there is also a man. There are two plaintiffs in this lawsuit. And they are married and were married during the course of these events. Also, something that distinguishes these two individuals from the others is that they are not Mormons. They are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And yet, Tim Ballard was apparently, or at least allegedly, able to work his wiles on this individual woman as well. Now, the lawsuit itself, I'm going to bring it up here on the screen, okay? And here it is on the screen, and it is filed, I believe, by at least a couple of the lawyers who are representing the five women. There may be some other lawyers involved in it, I'm not sure, but there is some overlap. And it is a similar kind of lawsuit to the first one that was filed. By which I mean, let me go up to the top here. Here's the lawyer, Suzette Rasmussen. She's the lawyer who had the press conference on the steps of the Capitol. Michael Green, I think, is another lawyer involved with that. But then there are a few other attorneys that you can see there. So there's a number of attorneys there for the plaintiffs in this case. The plaintiffs are two individuals. You can see it there. There are their initials, AA and FT. They tell us that those are not even their real initials. Once again, they will wait until a no contact order or protection order is issued in the case before they reveal their actual names. But they do give us enough in information to know that they are married and that they went through uh, quite an experience, allegedly, with Tim Ballard in Operation Underground Railroad. One of the interesting things as well is that this is recent stuff. In fact, the statement by the woman, AA, once again, not her real initials, um, it starts with October of 2022, so just one year ago. Now, she didn't start working at Operation Underground Railroad one year ago, but that's when the things start that she's complaining about. Okay, let's go to this, because what I want to do in tonight's show is I'm going to skip the lawsuit itself and go to the statements that are added at the end of the complaint, at the end of the lawsuit. There are statements that are made here, just as there were statements that were made in the previous lawsuit. These statements are not at all required in a lawsuit. In fact, they're unusual in a lawsuit to file statements of the plaintiffs at the end of the lawsuit. Once again, they're not signed. They're not notarized. They're not required at all in a lawsuit. And it's apparent that the plaintiffs want to be able to get their parties or their clients statements on things out in public and so they filed it with the lawsuit and we're going to start with this right now this is very very interesting i've skimmed over this material it will take a little bit of time to go through but i think it will definitely be worth the wait and your patience so it starts with beginning tim tim ballard first approached me when i was working late at the office in october 2022 so once again that's a year ago today's date is october 20th 2023 from something that was said by another individual who was giving 
either an interview or a statement. Uh, he was a gentleman who used to work at OUR. I think that he identified this individual woman as perhaps being an office assistant, maybe for the CFO of the company. And that's why she was working there. That's why she was there up until 7 o'clock p.m., very busy. I was getting ready to leave the office at 7 p.m., she goes on. He was there. Tim was there. He told me he was there to film. Later, I found out he was meeting a lady named Lori, L-O-R-I, who also does readings. Now, this is a second psychic that has been associated now with Tim Ballard. There was Janet Russon, who's the psychic that everybody knows about and who there's pictures of being on missions with Tim Ballard. But this is another individual just a year ago named Lori. We don't have a last name. It's pretty obviously not Lori Vallow because I don't think she would have been available for readings to Tim Ballard a year ago in October of 2022. Tim often calls Lori the psychic for advice on many things, i.e., and I think there she might mean e.g., operations, lawsuits, and daily Tim crises, all right? Daily Tim crises. She goes on to explain how Tim seems to have crises or crises pretty much every day. Tim walked into the office of my boss at the time, redacted office. So they're going to redact the name of the boss, and they put in parentheses the word redacted and shut the door. It was just me and him. He asked me if I was ever interested in doing operations. I said, no way. I was working toward being an in aftercare, the aftercare of the children who were rescued. At this time, I was an employee of OUR. I laughed, saying, I don't picture myself breaking down doors in combat boots, as that's the impression I always had with operations. So this is what's going on here in this particular statement. Starting one year ago this month with this meeting between Tim and this woman in the office around 7 o'clock p.m. Okay, so let's go on. He shut the door. It was just me and him. Oh, yes, I already read that. He told me that operations were not all just that, that there were a lot of female operators, and some of the best operators were female operators. He elaborated and said he was in the middle of an operation and needed help and thought I could help. I didn't talk much as this was the first one-on-one -on -one conversation I had ever had with Tim, and I thought it came out of nowhere, so I was trying to wrap my head around what he was asking and make sense of it. Okay. He said there is a case he hopes I could help with in London. There's going to be a lot of different locations in this statement, but London is the one he comes to her first about for help with. When the operation started, the female operator he used couldn't take any more time off work, and he needed a female partner. He explained that the female partner is there to pose as a girlfriend when they are having conversations at a party. Sounds innocent enough. He explained that this operation involved his team encountering a trafficked female, and he needed more information from her. To do that, his ops team was required to fly to London. Tim needed a girlfriend present. This new role would be there to befriend the trafficked girl during the party while they tried to get the information they needed from her. <clears throat> He said every detail counts, even as small as him returning with a girlfriend. He told me he kept asking God, who should I bring? 
I need someone who can pull this off. By the way, I don't understand this part about he said every detail counts, even as small as him returning with a girlfriend. I mean, if every detail counts, it would obviously be a different girlfriend he'd be returning with because the first one couldn't work out anymore, right? So he's taking a new girlfriend. So I'm not understanding that. That doesn't make sense to me. But Tim says, who should I bring? I need someone who can pull this off. He said he was driving down the road and saw my face, which was crazy because he doesn't even know my name. Then he apologized for not knowing my name. Dimitri, his bodyguard, opened the door, cluing Tim in to get on with it so that he could move along. Tim asked for my number, and then I went home. The following day, Tim called me and asked if I could fly to San Clemente, California for an ops training. It was the same time that the board meeting was happening. I told him yes. He told me repeatedly that all this needed to be a secret, and it was essential that ops was on the down low. I didn't find that weird as no one at OUR talked about operations. It was all very secretive. When I got to California, Dimitri picked me up. Dimitri and I got some lunch, and he checked me into the hotel I was staying in. I remember Dimitri asked, so why did Tim fly you out here? I told him, honestly, I don't know how to answer that. Tim told me not to tell anyone or anything, so a few things were going through my mind already. One, is this a test? Two, am I in trouble for flying to California, since I am still so confused about what Tim was asking me to do? Or three, why is Dimitri asking me? Shouldn't he know? Looking back, I can tell now that Dimitri's response was clear that he was annoyed that I was there. He was annoyed that Tim was up to something. Tim called me when Dimitri and I were getting lunch. There was music in the background and Tim got mad. Where are you? Why are you not at the hotel? I told him we were finishing lunch and then checked into my hotel. At this time, it was about 2 p.m. Tim told me he would come by my hotel soon. I still didn't ask questions and just said okay. It was approximately 6 o'clock p.m. when Tim got to my hotel room. I remember feeling very uncomfortable in the hotel room alone with another man, and afraid and shy to say anything. I also thought, this is Tim Ballard. I should feel differently. He was explaining roles in operations. He said, I go by Brian Black. When I am in the role, I will be Brian Black. He started to explain what couples ruse is. Yep, here we go with the couples ruse. Two operators, can I just say at the outset that I am very happy that the first time I heard about the couple's ruse, I was suspicious and didn't understand exactly how this was going to fool anybody. And it looks like the ruse really was its own ruse to get women with Brian Black or Tim Ballard alone, at least if these allegations are true. Two operators can block each other in strip clubs or massage parlors. It will cover any suspicion of the operators being the good guys. He gave an example where if in a strip club, the stripper wants to sit on his lap, his girlfriend can block that from happening by sitting on his lap. Another example was while getting information in massage spas, while getting couples massages, trying to get information, if the traffickers try doing anything to either one of the operators, the safe word is fuck me. Yeah, that's the safe word. Fuck me. It's actually the safe two words. And that is the clue to get your partner help in being sexually harassed by saying, get out. We want to be alone now. Well, I guess that makes sense since you just said, fuck me. 
by the way, I hope that uh, <laughs> there's going to be a trigger warning at the top of this. Don't let little kids watch it unless they're okay hearing this kind of language. More and more little kids are okay hearing that. Nowadays, I understand. Get out. We want to be alone now. So that's how the the couple's ruse works, right? We've heard this. Now he now she quotes Tim as saying something else we've heard before. <clears throat> Traffickers can smell pheromones, so we must have real chemistry during the couple's ruse, or the traffickers will call us out. See, they're such clever, clever traffickers that they uh, there has to be real chemistry, otherwise they can smell the pheromones, but they're also so stupid that they're going to be fooled by something as dumb as a couple's ruse. Tim said he had rules that there is no kissing or touching private parts. If he ever does a couple's ruse with anyone, I remember saying, is HR, human resources, is HR going to pop out of the closet? In other words, why do we have to worry about this if HR isn't going to pop out of the closet? I mean, who's watching this? I remember saying this during the, the whole conversation because he didn't say any of this to me before I got to California, and I couldn't believe I was hearing what I was hearing. Okay, so that's why she was saying it, right? Is HR going to pop out of the closet? Okay. I think maybe she's thinking this still could be a test or something. The role he asked me to play still needed to be clarified. I was led to believe I was helping with a case in London, but not in the context of a couple's ruse in that way. Remember, she was just supposed to be a girlfriend to befriend the trafficked female in London to get intelligence. That differs from how it was explained to me in Utah at the office. Essentially, Tim wanted me to befriend a girl they were trying to save in London that they had already found and believed she was trafficked out of North Korea. Tim continued to talk about chakras and tantric massages, and we've heard this before. It was all very confusing, but I just wanted to help however I could. When he left, he hugged me and lifted my shirt to look at my stomach. He said he had no idea I had such a hot body because I was always so covered at the office. My back was facing the bed, and it was easy to fall back on it. I'm not sure if she means it was easier if she did fall back on it at some point. He pulled me in tighter and kissed my neck. He said that kissing my neck up and down would avoid kissing lips. He had me lay on my back on the bed, there it is, to show me how to fake fuck while both our clothes were on. One of the positions he showed me was he wrapped one of my legs over his neck and began to thrust, explaining it would show as if his dick was sliding in me, but going under me without actually going in. He told me another female partner came up with the technique, and it works all the time. I bet it does. They were able to save hundreds of kids this way. Wow, just by fake fucking. It was so uncomfortable, but I dismissed it because... It was Tim Ballard. And what did I know after all? He was the operator. I was someone he was told could help break this huge trafficking ring coming out of North Korea. Tim then left and said he and an operator would return later. He came back a few hours later but was alone. He told me an operator would follow us in a different car. And I wouldn't see him. It was all part of the training. He said they would text him throughout the night and give us tasks. We would need to do them. This shows if I can pass the tasks assigned. Wow. We first went to dinner, and he said he got a text hmm, that said we needed to get in the hot tub. 
I told him that was dumb. We were at the Four Seasons in California, and people may recognize him. I did not want to do it, but I did it anyway. When I was in the hot tub, he took his shirt and garment shirt off. So if she's not a member of the church, he knows about her garment shirt. He took his shirt and garment shirt off and mentioned, he sees angels all around. He sees angels all around is what he says in the hot tub and that this isn't wrong. Afterward, he took me back to the hotel and I went to bed. He returned to his uncle's house where he was staying. Tim instructed me to keep this information, tactics, or events private from anyone else. The next day, he was in board meetings most of the day. I was doing strength training with Matt Cooper, which consisted of nothing unusual, just workouts on the beach. We ate dinner at Tim's uncle's house that night. I went back to my hotel room alone, then flew home the following day. I'm not aware if anyone else at OUR knew that I was there that weekend or ever knew I was an operator except for, and now we have blank, and I'm going to say blank. It says redacted here. I'll just say blank, which obviously refers to some name of somebody who may have known that she was there. The CEO at the time, so whoever this was, was the CEO at OUR a year ago. Brad was fired only a short time after I started doing operations. Now, here is an interesting place here, okay? We have not met, we have not met anybody named Brad so far. I'm pretty darn sure I went back and checked. And it looks like the person who was doing the redacting of this document may not have been very thorough because it looks like Brad might have been the person, the name that was redacted earlier on in the previous sentence. But it goes on to say, Brad was fired only a short time after I started doing operations. Now, blank texted me one afternoon to check up on me. Tim always wanted me to tell him whoever was talking to me about operations. So I let him know Brad checked in on me. See, once again, that second redacted in context is obviously Brad. So there are times when they're redacting Brad's name and times when they're not redacting Brad's name. And this is a problem that will dog this statement throughout. Um, okay, so I let him know Brad checked in on me. Tim later told me he called Brad and yelled at him for going around Tim's back. Brad is the CEO. I'll bet that's who she was the personal assistant for or the office assistant for. And it can be intimidating for me to get a call from him. That was weird, but again, I ignored it, but ultimately, I was embarrassed. My operations were and always have been a secret. I was led to believe this because operations is confidential. I don't think my boss, redacted, it's probably Brad, CFO slash COO knew I was going on operations. I was not allowed to discuss it with him or tell him. This made my job very difficult. I can imagine it would. I was in all day-to-day -day business operations and projects. Then at night and weekends, Tim had me doing the Tim Ballard brand and traveling abroad for operations. I didn't get any additional pay. I did not expect or ask, as that was not where my heart was, but I felt Tim was putting me in unfair situations. Boy, is that an understatement. I felt Tim was putting me in unfair situations, and I couldn't voice it because he was the founder of OUR and must have had good intentions one day you will make lots of money, he would always say, if I would start to bring up any compensation relief, which was never my goal to do. It was making things difficult for me at home. I was away from home more and more with no extra pay 
or real reasons to explain to my husband, FT, that's his fake initials, to my husband that no position title change made sense on why I was doing what I was doing or salary change, which logically makes sense elsewhere. So I think what she's saying here is that she's not got a raise. She hasn't gotten a new position or title. She's just gone all the time and she's not supposed to tell anybody, including her husband. Simple questions couldn't be answered like, am I covered insurance wise if I am on an op? Tim had me spying on everything in the office for him, which made it weird for me relationally as I was close to everyone. Well, that's why you'd be a good spy. As I said, I was in everyday business operations for six months before Tim. There was always something or someone doing wrong to Tim in Tim's eyes. So he wanted to keep me in everything and report back to him, and it burnt me out. So it sounds from this like uh, Tim is quite suspicious of everyone going behind his back to do things. And when he perceives people going back to do things, even if they're the CFO, he gets mad at them and calls them on the phone and yells at them. Okay. First practice op, practice op in uh, Guayaquil. And I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, which I almost certainly am. This took place in Guayaquil, Guayaquil. Tim was accepting an award. So he thought we could do a practice operation there to make sure I was prepared to go to London and not screw it up. We got checked into the motel or the hotel, and he said they ordered a massage to come to the room for a couple's massage. This is going to be a constant theme throughout this. They ordered a massage to come to the room for a couple's massage. I kept telling him I was so nervous. How does this go? What should I do? What should I say? Who is it? His response was to go with it. In other words, telling her, just go with it. There was a knock at the door. Tim opened the door and two girls were there to give us a couple's massage. I looked at Tim. He got completely naked and lay on the bed, stomach down. I was wearing black shorts and a blue top. I lay on the bed, belly down with my clothes on. My face was towards his and he said, why didn't you take your clothes off? I said, I didn't know I was supposed to. So I sat up and took my shirt off. I laid back down and the girls gave us a massage. I don't speak Spanish, she says, but Tim does. They all were giggling. And I think that means the girls, the two escorts and Tim, because Tim's talking to them in Spanish. I asked him what they were saying. So it looked like I wanted to be there. Tim turned me on my side and said he was complimenting me on how hot my girlfriend's body is. He would translate what they said to me. He told me he was asking them how much they masturbate and asked how they masturbate. One of the girls wanted to show him how they masturbate on me. I remember giggling to play the part and Tim rolled me on my back. I remember closing my eyes, wanting it to be over. I didn't remember the safe word then. It's probably a good thing. I was only remembering that I wanted it to be over. I heard Tim say he had never seen this done so close, and he was getting a lesson. I felt fingers inside me. When I comprehended that, I stood up and went to the bathroom. I heard the girls leaving. I got in the shower and cried. Tim came into the bathroom. It was a glass door, and I turned around because I didn't want him to see me or see me cry. But he said, you did so good. You are such a badass. No female operator did as good as that. We are going to save so many kids, he said. 
He said he got a name from them that will provide kids. See, he's getting the intel. That's why they're doing the couple's massages. That's what it's all about is saving the kids. And I should not be sad or feel guilty about anything because we would not have gotten that trafficker's name if I didn't do any of that. None of it made sense. I remember feeling so disgusted with myself and shoving all of it away because I just wanted to help. And I thought, this is how operations work. I told him I would be out soon. So he left. I got out of the shower, dressed, cut his hair, and got ready for the night. We all went to the awards ceremony, got on a plane, and flew home. Nothing came of that practice operation. I never heard of checking back in with the trafficker's name that they said they got that night. The practice op in Mexico. Tim had CPAC in Mexico. I went with Tim, Dimitri, and Matt Cooper, who apparently goes by Coop, to have another practice leading up to London. Mind you, in between these practice operations, the text messages and constant reminders of how important it is to keep everything a secret were a continual reminder. Everything was for the greater good, the new covenant. That's quote unquote. We got to Mexico City and we had a three bedroom Airbnb. Me, Coop, and Tim stayed there. They ordered two escorts. They told me they heard that one of them knew traffickers. I wasn't sure how the night would go. There was never a real plan. I always asked, and he said it was impossible with operations. We had a goal, but besides that, we just had to, we just got to improvise. I found comfort in not speaking Spanish. It took the pressure off slightly. The two escorts came over. I stayed in my room for a few minutes. Tim showed me off as his girlfriend when I walked into the living room. The party continued. There was alcohol and just conversation going. I was asking Tim to ask them questions for me. What do they do for work? What is it like being an escort? How much money do they get paid? Tim told them I was interested in being an escort, but I elaborated in letting them know that I didn't know how to do that sort of thing. I was using that as a defense in getting out of what I felt was coming, which was Tim wanting to be alone with Julie in the back bedroom. So Julie is apparently the name of one of these two escorts. And for some reason, she thinks that what is coming is that Tim's going to want to be alone with Julie in the back bedroom. My saying I didn't know how to do that work got me in a worse position. Tim said, oh, let's have blank teach you. And this could be Julie, by the way, because once again, I think that sometimes they redact Julie's name and other times they don't. But it's one of the two escorts, and it may be Julie. Let's have blank teach you. I didn't have a choice. We all walked to the back bedroom. Tim lay on the bed, and Julie, see, there's the name again, and Julie got completely naked and crawled on Tim. She was talking to Tim, telling him to tell me guys like this. Excuse me. She was talking to Tim, telling him to tell me guys like this, guys like that. I kept my clothes on and sat on the bed. She asked him why I was shy and still had all my clothes on. Tim asked, and I said to tell her, because I don't know how to do any of this, remember? The other escort that came in the bedroom and allowed us to break up the sex escort training session. I think that should be a then. The other escort then came in the bedroom and allowed us to break up the sex escort training session. When blank left, which is probably Julie, when Julie left, 
Tim asked her about the kids and traffickers they knew. Blank elaborated, which may be Julie, or maybe the other one left, and then Julie stays. At any rate, they appear to split up, the, the, the escort split up. Blank elaborated and said she could help us get information. She wanted to return the following night, but hang out with me. Second night with Julie in Mexico. Okay, so there's Julie again. That night, it was just me and redacted. It's Julie, right? I elaborated on the character as the girlfriend wanting to become an escort, her character that she's playing. Just asking her questions, becoming friends, but ultimately seeing if I could get any information about the traffickers she allegedly knew. As I talked to her, I told her I owed Brian, Tim. Okay, this is Brian Black. Okay. As I talked to her, I told her I owed Brian Black, which is the, the fake name for Tim Ballard, a lot of money. So I needed to become an escort like her. How do I do it? She told me I needed, I needed to get in these groups. And to do that, I needed to provide boudoir photos. She also said she could provide kids sold in these groups on WhatsApp. I could get in these groups and meet the traffickers if I provided boudoir pictures of myself. Tim was all for the pictures being done. I got the pictures of myself and sent them to Julie, J-U-L-I. Julie sent them to her WhatsApp groups. Finally, we get to the London op, the one that uh, she was supposed to be preparing for. By the time London was here, Tim had me looking online at escorts anywhere we went, wanting me to order them for the night in hopes we could get any information on trafficked kids. He was convinced the new way to find trafficked kids was through escorts. Tim had me make my profile pages with escort agency ads with my boudoir photos. He had me book escorts for every night we were in London. Two escorts came one night, and he told me to wait down at the bar for 20 minutes. When I got upstairs, they had just gotten out of the shower. The girls were surprised that I came, so they left. I was relieved. The next night, another escort came. He told me, and I think that's Tim, Tim told me to wait downstairs at the bar for 20 minutes. I was downstairs with Coop and told him I didn't feel this was right. I don't know much about operations, but why must he be alone with escorts? I walked upstairs. Tim was in a robe on the bed with the escort. I walked over to the escort and started talking to her like she was a friend, which ultimately killed the mood. I befriended her, as that was my role for the London op anyway. So I felt good enough to do that instead of engaging in anything sexually, and I did not have anything in me. I don't know if that means that um, she hadn't been drinking. The real op in London. We had one big suite and hotel rooms. The big suite is where the party is going to take place. The objective of this operation was to get additional information from this girl to confirm she is currently getting trafficked. To do that, we also needed to order her through her agency. So we did that. And she then met Coop at his hotel room. Tim and I came in. I was introduced as his girlfriend, Tim's girlfriend. He talked about chakras and tantric massages. He was explaining where the chakras were. He had me straddle his lap. And he was demonstrating where each chakra was on me. You know, I am no expert on chakras. I think I may have seen a, a poster in passing, but I think there are these places of energy that are up and down um, the center of the body. They may have some to the side as well. Like I say, I'm no expert, but there's a certain number of them. 
Um, so he demonstrates where each chakra was on me. Then he said we were going to take a shower. It was almost a production. We walked into the bathroom. He turned the shower on and made sex noises to make the individual think we were having sex in the shower. We got out and walked upstairs to the party to get the needed information. Once the night was over, we were happy she provided the information, but there has always been one major factor that never made sense to me. Why did I need all these practice ops, including things that didn't come close to what he had me do before London, for London to be a success? Good question. Not sure what the answer to that is, but definitely a good question. Why does she have to do all these practice ops that have nothing to do with what she ends up doing in London when the whole reason for the practice ops were to prepare her for what happens in London? Next op is Mexico City, and this is also with Julie. After London, Blank wants to meet up with us, and that's probably Julie, once again redacted at this point, place, but not immediately above. After London, Julie wants to meet up with us because she has information. The operation started terribly from the beginning. We missed our flights and our luggage was rerouted to another state. We arrived in Mexico City late at night, but still met Julie and two of her Ukrainian escort friends. Redacted was the case, blank was the case we had been working on for a few months. The point of this meeting was to get more info from blank, and it's, these are probably both Julie's, from Julie because she kept saying she had friends who were selling kids and escort group chats on WhatsApp. Yeah, almost certainly that's Julie. Tim wanted Julie. Now look here, look here what happened. They put redacted there, but they left the last I of Julie's name, almost certainly Julie's name. So from this, it seems that this uh, plaintiff wrote this all up in word for her attorneys, her attorneys or their um, assistants then went through it and they took the names, they redacted it by going through it in a Word document, taking out the names and in place of the names, typing comma redacted in comma. And here when they did it, they didn't catch the last I of Julie's name. I'm not sure it makes that much difference considering they keep saying Julie all over the place, even when uh, they're redacting her name in other places. Tim wanted Julie to bring Ukraine escorts because he was working on a case from Ukraine. Before they left, Tim told them to come back the following night, which led to having to get more money for their time. The following morning, we met with the public official. I left the meeting early to see if our bags were back at the hotel and to withdraw more pesos to pay for Julie, I'll just say it, and the two Russian girls while Tim and Matt Osborne stayed at the meeting. When Tim and Matt were on their way to the hotel we were staying at, I told them I would be late due to traffic. I was already texting Julie, letting her know to go to the bar to buy time so Tim and Matt didn't need to be alone with them in the room. Hmm. I was under the impression that any op would start once all the pieces were in place. When I got to the hotel, the girls, Tim and Matt Osborne, had already been in the hotel room. Tim and, and I'm thinking this is Julie again, Tim and Julie were on their way down alone to the hot tub. The three of us crossed paths as I was getting off the elevator. They were getting on the elevator to go down to the hot tub. So she's getting off, they're getting on. I was, taking a, I was taken aback by the situation they created for the whole day and I was disgusted. I remember testing Tim with a statement. 
I will come. And he said, it was just them two going. Okay, so she's testing Tim. She's coming out of the elevator. Tim and Julie are going down to the hot tub and she's gonna test Tim by saying, look, I'll come along with you. And Tim refuses. He said it was just them two going. I share this because it debunks the couple's ruse. Now, this is very interesting. She's actually already given an instance where the couple's ruse gets debunked. And that's where Tim on earlier ops keeps going up to the motel room for 20 minutes alone with an escort before uh, this lady, uh, AA, gets involved. He's already putting her off to the side and being alone with women. And the whole point of the couple's ruse was to have somebody else there present, a wife, a girlfriend, who can block in case things get out of hand, right? This is the point she makes, and it's an excellent point. Um, I share this because it debunks the couple's ruse. Tim and Julie would be in the hot tub alone. Matt Osborne was alone in a hotel room with two other girls when I was supposed to be their blocker. This was more of a get-together as me and Julie had essentially already developed a friendship over the past months. Still, I thought I shouldn't voice this with the bit of experience I have in operations. I think she means the little bit of experience. So she didn't voice that, but she did think it. I think it's a good point. We had two rooms in one suite where we all were meeting. One regular room right next door. Matt Osborne was in the suite with the other two girls, and I was too upset to go in there for various reasons. Here are some of the reasons. I had been alone in Mexico City trying to get pesos out for Tim. We met with a potential trafficker the night before in the hotel we were staying at. The op, the op started without all things in place, as discussed. All my personal information was being exposed via the front desk. Therefore, the TV was on when I entered the room because they were ordering room service and playing music. My actual name was on the TV, not my undercover name. These women came over with the impression that they were being paid for sex, but I believed we were paying them for information. I believed we had a plan in place so sex wouldn't be involved. Tim going off alone with one escort was so unnecessary. That debunked the couple's ruse. After seeing Tim go to the hot tub with the escort alone, I walked into the regular hotel room to regroup. I texted Matt Osborne to let him know I was back, and he asked me to give him five more minutes. I thought that was strange. I chose to dismiss, thinking he was just in conversation, getting information. When five minutes was up, I knocked on the door. Matt had makeup on his face, leading me to believe he was kissing one of the girls. Shortly after I arrived in the room, Matt got a text from Tim. Tim asked if we could all leave the room because he and Julie were on their way up from the hot tub, and he needed a little longer with her. So Matt, the two girls, and I went to the restaurant downstairs. It was approximately 30 minutes, and then Tim texted Matt and said they were done, and we could come up. We all got upstairs. Tim had a robe on. The shower glass doors had water on them, and her bathing suit was on the floor by the window. Matt Osborne left almost right away. I talked with the girls for about 10 minutes, and they all left. Tim told me immediately, as soon as they're alone now, right? Tim told me immediately that he found himself in a tricky spot. We're in a tight spot. I remember listening with disgust, and he then said she wanted to have sex with him so bad. I mean, wouldn't you? And when she went to get the condom, he hurried and masturbated. 
So by the time she either turned around or walked back, he was able to tell her he couldn't have sex anymore. Well, that's one of the fastest masturbations I've ever heard of. <laughs> okay. But this is his story and he's sticking with it. He told me, he told her, you're just so hot. I just had to do this instead. I am sorry. He said, yeah, said no guy ever. But all these people are apparently falling for it, at least according to Tim. In doing all that, he said he got information that she wanted to meet up in Playa del Carmen, Carmen, where her friend was selling kids. He's got the information. It's all worth it. I didn't respond to him on any of this. I remember being unable to say anything. After a couple of awkward seconds of silence, he got an ignorant and rude attitude. I almost wonder if that's arrogant and rude attitude, but it's written ignorant and rude attitude. I remember he said to the effect that I should be grateful because he just had to sacrifice needing to do something like that to get that information from Julie. So you should be grateful to me because I had to whack off in order to get that information from Julie. <clears throat> I also remember feeling bad because we were there and the plan was to try and get information from her differently. I didn't deliver though, so I was grateful he got the news, so hopefully we can save kids now. He then elaborated on how much he has lost and sacrificed. And I now remember feeling bad for accusing him of doing something wrong or judging him, leading me to ignore and forget this happened until now. January, so this is going to be January of this year, 2023, I told Tim he needed a team of people to rally around him to help with how busy his life is. He needs more employees. I suggested two individuals that I already knew from the office. These individuals had been with OUR since the beginning, and I thought he could trust them no matter what. He created a department called Founders Group. They had kickoff meetings at our Miami office over a weekend in January. When he returned, he told me he would take one of the individuals on the upcoming operation, one of the two I think that she had suggested. I told him I did not think it was a good idea, but Tim knows best. He works off of instinct, and that was that. The operation he was taking her on was the takedown of a three-year process finally ending. It was also strange taking someone on there at such high risk with the potential of compromising and losing any of it. <clears throat> yeah, this is a newbie. He's taken at the culmination of a three-year operation to do the takedown. Okay. I was going to Mexico two days earlier to finish the blank operation with two other operators. I was going to see Tim and this other individual for just one day before I went home and they went on to start their operation. Tim and this individual arrived at the safe house alone, which implied they traveled alone to Playa del Carmen, where we were all staying. I was checking in with Tim's new female partner and she seemed good. Tim did the final meeting with Julie and me and nothing came of this. So once again, Julie's name, not redacted. Fast forward to mid-March. Tim, myself, and the OUR development team were in Miami for a speaking and fundraising event and gala. Tim always liked filling the time when we were traveling, so we pulled a list of escorts near the area. That's what he fills his time with, I guess. So we pulled a list of escorts near the area, and he wanted to do some op bodyguard tactics. There were two other operators as well to help with this operation and accompanied Tim's security. We rented a three-bedroom condo and one other condo in the same building. Right before the speaking event, Tim got a call informing him that his lawyer, Brent Andrewson, was flying into Miami to inform him that the individual he brought to Mexico in February had filed a complaint. 
this is when the stuff is going to start hitting the fan. It's now early January, February of 2023. And the movie is going to be coming out. Ultimately, it would come out on July 4th of 2023. So this person, this woman that Tim had brought to Mexico in February had filed a complaint and Tim's lawyer, Brent Anderson, breaks the news to him. He wanted to be with him personally to tell him the news. Tim was so upset, dry heaving and throwing up. <clears throat> I guess he's doing both. He gathered himself up enough to speak at the event and returned to the condo. By that time, Brent was there. The three of us talked briefly. Tim was very detailed about what had happened that, that whole week with him and that other individual. He claimed his innocence and that nothing had happened. Then Tim brought blank an operator and Tim's security for the weekend to speak on how operations work. Tim told me not to have Blank come to the condo until he told me to. He was always particular with details. I never knew why Blank was not able to be there when Brent arrived. Okay, let me go through this again. Then Tim brought Blank an operator and Tim's security for the weekend to speak on how operations work, I guess to the lawyer. Tim told me not to have Blank come to the condo until he told me to. He was always particular with details. I never knew why Blank was not able to be there when Brent arrived. <clears throat> okay. He was called in later. Maybe to keep him in the dark. I don't know. Brent put Tim's mind at ease, letting him know that they would do an investigation so that they were covered if anything came back in the future. They could say they performed an investigation and Tim was innocent, which makes sense. Once we got back to Utah, all my updates on the investigation came from Tim. So this investigation that they're doing about this complaint that was made from this woman that Tim took to Mexico. I was working from the Linden office and traveling a lot. I never saw anyone from the main office. Tim kept asking me to write a complaint letter to OUR regarding sexual harassment and harassment against OUR because the individual lied about me when this happened. Okay, so I think that what she's saying is that Tim kept asking AA, the woman writing the statement, to write a complaint letter to OUR regarding sexual harassment and claim that this alleged victim of Tim's, who's now filed this complaint, is sexually harassing Tim and harassing OUR because that person has lied about Tim when this happened. Earlier, she had told me that people in the office were uncomfortable with me being an employee but later recanted and told the investigators that was untrue. This allowed Tim to tell me that this individual is jealous of me as a fellow employee, leaving it accessible for him to cause tension and mistrust between me and this individual. I never wrote a complaint to OUR, and I never told Tim that I didn't write the complaint to OUR. Okay. I talked to Human Resources one time. The conversation consisted of me expressing confusion with the whole situation, and I couldn't wait for it all to be over, but that was it. Again, these people were my friends. Tim told me he repeatedly would ask Catherine, his wife, to write a complaint to OUR. So the same thing. So Tim's saying to this lady who's writing the complaint that she, he would frequently ask his own wife, Catherine, to write the complaint to OUR about the sexual harassment. He told me she didn't want to. He called me one day from his car. He was reading 
her complaint to me out loud, but I could tell he was erasing and editing sentences as he was reading it out loud. I told him he should not turn it in, and then I got off the phone. That was none of my business. Tim had me out of the main office when the investigation started, and I was not talking to anyone except him. Tim painted the narrative for me and even resigned for me. He isolated me, making sure I had no access to any information. He told me what to say. I remember answering questions, but still leaving out things I remember now. He coached me on all, I've got to say, when you say, I remember answering questions, but still leaving out things I remember now, it sounds like that she has answered questions as part of an investigation, but she left out some information. She says she remembers it now, but this leaves her the opportunity, so she claims, to add things that she didn't say initially in this lawsuit and in the statement, probably. He coached me on all the things he wanted me to say. He convinced me that the individual was lying. He went as far as saying this individual was obsessed with him. She wanted to marry him, be his wife, when he was the president of the United States and physically hurt Catherine. She wants to hurt Catherine, his wife. He told me she was trying to put cookies on his doorstep to poison Catherine. He painted her out to be this crazy person who became obsessed with him during an operation. <clears throat> And he couldn't escape her. He said all they did was hold hands. Right, that's what she's so upset about. She must be crazy. I knew if I elaborated on anything in my interview, it could ruin OUR. All operations would stop and no kids would be saved. And I think here she's making her excuses for why it is that she was not completely honest in her interview. It came time for my interview with the investigator in charge of the case. That day, Tim called me all day. He wanted to meet before to ensure I was prepped. I never did. He was constantly repeating, no drinking on ops, no kissing or touching private parts over and over and over. I remember telling him I didn't need coaching, as I would say. I stuck to the narrative that Tim painted for me. So in that last line, I think she says, she did what Tim told her to do and said what Tim told her to say. And that perhaps it was not 100% accurate. February 2023, by this time, I am an undercover operator and employee. I understood that my boss, redacted, Brad, and HR finally knew I was doing ops. OUR and Tim thought it made sense to move me to be only with Tim since I do operations and have been doing tasks already for Tim. I was hesitant but hopeful for a simpler schedule and better work-life balance which had greatly affected my marriage and home travel and home life, excuse me. Between travel and being at Tim's Linden office, I was not at the main office that much. Tim was sorting out issues between himself and OUR. I was getting all my updates through Tim and no one else. I slowly lost all contact with everyone at OUR as I was just busy with everything Tim. Now she talks about an op at Koreatown in California. And this goes from December to July of 2023. So December 2022, I would imagine, to July of 2023, just this past summer. Tim said he was getting intel from spas coming out of Koreatown. So we made a couple of trips there and visited some spas to see if there was anything we would come across. We walked into this spa and asked for a couple's massage. 
They didn't do them, so he ordered one for me. Tim said he would wait for me in the waiting area. The spa was tiny, three rooms and the waiting room. It was all close enough to where I could hear everything happening. I went into the room, undressed, got under the covers, and lay on my stomach. The girl came in to massage me. I could hear Tim talking to the other girls at the front desk, which kept me at ease. I asked the girl a couple of questions, but halfway through the, mas the massage, Tim was gone. It says message here. I'm sure it's massage. But halfway through the massage, Tim was gone. Another worker came in and told the current girl to leave. She told me to turn over so she could massage my feet. A few minutes into the foot massage, I glanced down because I saw the light. I caught the girl recording pictures or video right up the sheet as she gave me a foot massage. I noticed the door was open three inches, so when I went to move and ask what was happening, the manager walked in and started cleaning up to distract everything. I didn't dare stick up for myself when I caught the girl recording or taking pictures of me because I was left alone in the spot with three of the potential traffickers. And I was supposed to act like I would like that, but I didn't have a way out of it since I didn't have my blocker. Tim left. I got dressed and sat in the waiting area for another 10 minutes until Tim returned to pick me up. I asked him where he went. I was upset because he was never supposed to leave me alone, and he told me he went to find more spas. Yeah. Now, February to June of 2023, I moved over to being all things Tim Ballard, employee and operator. He would constantly tell me I was the best operator. No one had done ops like me before. We were going to save so many kids. He had never trusted anyone as much as he trusted me, and everyone had betrayed him. He said he would put a bullet in his brain if I ever brought up the need to move positions. He said he would put a bullet in his brain if I ever brought up the need to move positions. I think that means that if she needed to move positions out of working with Tim as his operator. I handled all personal Tim Ballard brand and operations. I was prepping for the Sound of Freedom tour and speaking gigs. Tim was also trying to implement Operation Bodyguard. So he's got another idea. The couple's ruse, this is Operation Bodyguard, which consisted of couples or two operators going undercover anywhere. Spas, clubs, ordering escorts to rooms, and trying to get intel from them. He was convinced that escorts were the way to get all information on human trafficking and that the couple's ruse would thrive through Operation Bodyguard. He was planning the initial training in the Dominican Republic and had me reaching out to couples of his choice to coordinate a time to get there. This never happened. Now, June to September of 2023. Once again, we're in October of 23 right now. So that's just last month. This ends. Tim was telling people he resigned from OUR because there would be a conflict with Sound of Freedom. He said that recently, too. And I remember remarking, saying, I'm not sure I see what the conflict would be. And he wanted to start the Spear Fund. I always felt weird about that because I was with him on June 9th when he got his termination letter from OUR's board members and OUR. He never gave me clear information. In other words, that seems weird because I was with Tim when he got his termination letter, i.e., he didn't resign. He kept me so busy with tasks and me just con consoling him daily that I didn't even have the mental capacity to think about getting logical answers to anything I asked. Suppose I did ask 
a question that deserved a logical explanation. Tim always responded with a crisis he was dealing with. So the subject would be different. In other words, we're not going to talk about your subject. We're going to talk about all the trouble I'm going through. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. And we would then be talking about him again and fixing anything he needed or complimenting him, telling him it's all going to be okay. I would then feel bad for whatever he was going through and for asking such questions. <clears throat> I personally never had a conversation with OUR about resigning myself. Tim did it all for me. I was under the impression that I was only leaving to work for Tim. I was told OUR was giving Tim and the Spear Fund a year's grant to cover my salary. Tim or Spear Fund has not paid me. I think when she says that, she means Tim was telling her that, but she has not been paid. I have not received any salary while working with Tim or the Spear Fund, only partial reimbursements. So I think this resignation part is about her resigning from OUR so she can go to work for Tim at the Spear Fund. He wants to have her follow him. When I got a separation and release agreement, the wording needed to be more apparent because nothing was adding up. After all, I thought I was only resigning and not being terminated. My husband was the one who brought this to my attention when he read the fine print. There were things in there mentioning I was not rehirable. Why is that? I asked Tim and didn't get clear answers. I don't believe I was given a fair chance of leaving OUR in a friendly manner. I never knew Tim's narrative as I could not be involved in any conversations. I have been violated and taken advantage of while working in day-to-day -day business operation tasks at OUR, ops, and an employee, all while being asked to keep it a secret from everyone I know. Never mention it to anyone, no one understands, She's representing Tim as saying, this is for the greater good and the new covenant. We had to be married in past lives, he would say. Okay, we had to be married in past lives. So once again, we're getting the hints of the uh, the Chad Daybell, the Lori Vallow stuff, which may or may not be traceable to the Tom Harrison book, Visions of Glory, which apparently Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow were very into. And she was reading a copy of that very book out by the pool when she was sunbathing in Hawaii, when she was served with papers by law enforcement that she had to produce her children. She was reading that book at the time. We had to be married in past lives, Tim allegedly told this lady. I resigned from OUR under a narrative that I had no control over. Tim kept me so busy and isolated from other operators that I never had the chance to understand true operations and all right protocols. I was never able to have any communication with them once I left the Spear Fund to understand the full scope of what was going on. So apparently she's leaving the Spear Fund as well. Yeah, this is not a model of clarity at this point. OUR knew the total capacity of what I was being exposed to and did not care to reach out to me in any way this whole time. Instead, they did the opposite, keeping me in operations and putting me in the role of being more available to Tim Ballard. I believe Tim had me join the Spear Fund as a cover to protect himself from these other women he knows he violated for his gain. Tim had a habit of asking me to cover for him on many things. One in particular was asking me to take blame for dirty text messages he said was a tactic that we used in operations on our burner phones. He was always so worried that they would leak out. So apparently, 
She's the one who has to take blame for him. She wrote him, not Tim. Over the past year, I have distanced myself from all my friends and family, thinking it was because I was so busy with work. Still, it was because I couldn't relate to anyone in normal conversation with the things Tim was having me do. That this was in the name of God, through revelation and saving children. This happened through Tim's mind games and manipulation, guilt trips, and last-minute crises, especially when I would speak my mind. I felt I needed to clean up all of Tim's crises that he would throw at me, even when it would supersede my family and personal life. Working for Tim has cost me relationships, my marriage relationship, and time away from my family for one year. I have burned bridges for this man without knowing it. I have gone into debt for him, and when I would bring it up, it always would come back to a personal crisis Tim was going through. I would feel guilty for asking for a paycheck I never received since June or for covering his expenses this year. Since I resigned, I have been able to breathe and realize this was all mind games and manipulation for his personal gain that I will never understand. And now she writes a list of statements or comments that Tim would make to her multiple times she says tim's recurring comments to me okay traffickers can smell pheromones we are doing this for the greater good this is all for the new covenant i see angels all around you catherine chose you these aren't our real bodies jesus gave us our bodies to use like this referring to the couple's ruse our bodies are a tool I would do anything to save a child. How far would you go? Janet and Lori, the two psychics, right? Janet and Lori said, you would never turn on me. You are the only one who could ruin me. I wanted to put a bullet in my brain before you. I will put a bullet in my brain if you ever leave me. And he constantly said that. So once again, sort of a version of a flaming sword in an angel. Something is going to end his life if she should leave. Okay. Oh, now we get to the statement of her husband. Let me check where we are because I think that this really took a good deal of time to go through. Yeah, we're already at the one hour mark. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take this off the screen now. And the statement by her husband is just about as long. It's pretty detailed. And I don't want to uh, do both of them together. I'm going to try and do that one later on. I think this one statement deserves its own show so it can have full impact here. So there we are with that statement from this woman who's filed a lawsuit against Tim Ballard and what she describes as having happened as she worked as a very close operative with Tim Ballard for the past year from October of 2022 up until the point where she resigned, which I suppose would have been not that long ago. Well, I hope you enjoy what you hear tonight. And by enjoy, I mean, I hope you find it fascinating as I do. It's certainly not fun to read this. I'm sure it's not fun to hear it either. But please hit like and subscribe and leave a comment if you would. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much to all the contributors to Radio Free Mormon who donate to this program. Your donations are what keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air. And let me see if I can find my... Cool outro music. Here it is. Good night, everybody.